The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello and welcome into another episode of the EPA podcast. I am your host Shane Half. Uh, you can give me a follow on YouTube, Twitter, threads at Shane Half NFL. I am joined today across the pond. I get him on a podcast about twice a year. Uh, it is Johnny Page. Give him a follow on Twitter at Johnny Page 9. If you check out a football season in the summer and you move on to other things and you're just now coming back, uh, this is going to be a big season preview with Johnny talking about a lot of big picture things. But if you did check out a football for the summer, you desperately need to log on to bleedinggreennation.com. Johnny has spent all offseason breaking down Eagles players, Eagles running concepts. It's fantastic stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about some of that today. Johnny, welcome to the show. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, I'm good. We were just talking off air that this this feels like the season is back. Um, I mean, I know you do as well. When you write about the NFL season all year, it doesn't really feel like there's a time off. But I haven't spoken on a podcast since the draft. And yeah, it's going to be interesting, actually, because I'm not really sure what I'm going to say because I write about a lot of things. But uh, I'm looking at the depth chart currently. We're going to have a, a, going to have a look, good little talk about a number of different topics. So uh, we'll see where it goes. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, behind, a peek behind the curtains for the listeners. When I do EPA podcasts with Victor, uh, when I do my other podcasts that are off the BGN feed, I always have a rundown, talking points, things I want to talk about. When I talk with Johnny, we just get on and we just start talking. So you just imagine we're like sitting on a couch in my living room if you know we didn't live on different continents. And you guys are just along for the ride as we chat Eagles, pretty unscripted. So uh, Johnny, let's just jump into it here. Let's talk big picture about the offense first. You're a big picture guy. Um, you said that you've been really into offense this year, and I really enjoyed your running concept articles that you did throughout the summer. So the Eagles are changing coordinators on both sides of the ball, and we'll get into that. But let's thousand foot view first or 10,000 foot view, whatever the saying is supposed to be. Let's talk about the Eagles offensive identity and what we expect to be different and the same with uh, the new offensive coordinator. So uh, I'll let you take that first and you can sort of talk about your run game design, some of that sort of stuff. But how do you think the Eagles offense will evolve and look different this year? Yeah, you've set me up there. I could go on for hours. I'm pretty sure about this topic because I'm really, I'm really interested at the moment. Um, funny enough, it is, it, I sort of became a little bit obsessed with this topic uh, uh, recently when I listened to the Athletic Football podcast and we spoke off air about this as well. And they had the Eagles as the fourth best offense going into the season. And I don't know why, because I'm normally quite pessimistic about football and life in general as you know from our chats but I, I can't really see a way that the Eagles offense isn't really really good and even for me having them as fourth felt quite low because to me they're one or two um, and the only reason why we're not one is sort of because there's a guy called Mahomes who plays uh, for the Chiefs but I think the fascinating thing about the Eagles offense is the reason why a lot of should we say scheme guys don't like them is because they're quite basic if you want to go and watch a, a, an offensive schemes open players more, there's a lot better out there than Nick Sirianni that does it. But the Eagles don't really have to because they have a top five tight end. They have a, arguably a top five wide receiver and a top 10 wide receiver in Devontae Smith. They've now got two really good running backs. They've got an elite quarterback as well and probably the best offensive line in football. So the Eagles scheme is really, really simple and it's almost too simple to talk about in real depth. But it's very simply, as we mentioned many a time, if you play too high, the Eagles are going to run. And the Eagles are going to run very successfully. So you basically have to bring down a defender into the box, which leaves you in single high coverage, which means that the Eagles are going to take their shots down the field. Now, some people, I think, 
see that as a bit fluky. Maybe AJ Brown caught too many last year. And to an extent, they might be right. But I also just think AJ Brown is simply that good and Hurts is that good of a deep uh, ball thrower. So I think the question next year will be, will teams, and this is a big picture, I guess, will teams prevent the explosive plays um, by sitting more and too high and basically saying to the Eagles, you know what? we're going to let you just run and run and run. And I think part of that is where this gets really interesting for me is when I was looking at the Eagles run game, um, the Eagles zone run game last year wasn't actually very good. And it surprised me because when you think of the Eagles historically, you think of Andy Reid and even Chip Kelly and Sirianni to an extent. I always think of the zone run game. I always think inside zone, read option, zone read, split zone. And they really weren't very good. Um, and I mean like below average, when you look at their success rate of inside zone carries, you're talking a below average offense and you're thinking that's really weird for a team that are so good up front. And I think one problem was Miles Sanders was pretty average, especially as, as an outside zone runner. But I think the other thing is the Eagles were just far better at their gap scheme. So I've gone into quite a lot of detail about some of the um, counter concepts, uh, the gap scheme concepts that they've been running. But what that normally does is basically involves Jalen Hurts more. And we were talking about this off air um, before as well, but Jalen Hurts as a runner is just unbelievably efficient, like stupidly efficient. If you go back and watch the Eagles QB draw plays from last year, it, it's borderline hilarious. They just go to empty. The defense has to spread out. Jalen Hurts runs it and they pick up five yards plus every single time. And um, I'm not joking. When I went back and watched every single draw concept last year, I do not believe they had a run less than four yards. I mean, it's basically efficient every single time. And you might think, is it on third and 15? No, they were running QB draws on first and 10, on second and six, on very, very normal down distances. So my big, big question next year is going to be how much are they going to run Jalen Hurts? Are they going to try and hide some of the offense for the playoffs? Because is there an argument that, they, however efficient it is, you can't play 17 weeks expecting to go into the playoffs with a quarterback who runs that much? Because he's always going to scramble a little bit, although he does that far less than people realise. Um, but he's going to scramble a little bit. He's going to have his read options. If the Eagles are still going to run their RPO game, then he's going to have to take some of those balls. So how many designed gap scheme runs can you actually have with Jalen Hurts? Because at the moment... And I've watched a lot of run game the last month. I am yet to really see a team that has actually stopped it. I'm yet to see a team that's got, they've taken away the Jalen Hurts run game. Even when defences have a positive play against it, you can't help but feel like they're nearly there. So I assume one of the reasons why they went out and got two new running backs, part of that was that, well, they need to take the load off Jalen Hurts. But my big thing then will be, well, do they get the zone game running uh, or the sewing game going more again is that the idea of why they've got penny and why they've got swift because that then puts less stress on Jalen hurts or are they going to just commit to this cap scheme uh, gap scheme stuff are we going to see a lot more counter a lot more dart which is tackle power essentially when you pull a tackle um in the run game which the eagles can do because of how athletic their tackles are um so yeah there's absolutely loads there so apologies i haven't really got a question or a real thought but it's the general idea i guess is how much can they keep running Jalen hurts because from what I've seen, it's pretty much unstoppable with the offensive line and the scheme they've got currently. Because teams just don't want to play with an extra man in the box. They do not want to play single high. Because if you play single high against this offense, it's just exactly what they want. Because you've got two elite wide receivers and an elite receiving tight end. Oh, and by the way, DeAndre Swift is going to be an absolute handful um, coming out of the backfield as well. So I think you have to play a lot of two-man against the Eagles. Um, when I say two man, that can be quarters, that mean necessarily man coverage, it's just been two higher safeties um, to take away deep shots, which begs the question did the Eagles just keep running it over and over and over again? Um, so, yeah, I don't know if you've got any thoughts about Hertz carries in particular, but that's where my mind's at at the moment. That's sort of the question that I'm going to bed thinking about. Uh, how many times is he actually going to run the ball next year? Yeah, that's interesting to think about. How do you balance that? Because you don't want to run Hurts into the ground. Like you want him to have a long career. You want him to not wear down as even the individual seasons go along. And yet it's one of his greatest powers. And he's a great passer. And we'll get into some of those stats in a moment. And some of that's because of his rushing ability. Some of it's he's just a really good deep ball passer. But you you have to be careful. You can't just run with reckless abandon. And there's times last year that I thought that they did that. Um, now, obviously, they were running like zone reads, but when you're up by three scores in the third quarter, 
you just need to hand the ball off. Don't even option these guys. And so I felt like there were some times that they gave Hertz option plays when games were over. And obviously we'll get into the schedule later. The schedule is not as easy this year. I don't expect to be blowing teams out at a historic rate like last season, but I would like to see that load managed a little bit. And I think about how the bills use Josh Allen and how early in the season, Josh Allen doesn't run a lot. Well, actually it's sort of like an inverted bell curve, if you will. At the very start of the season, Josh Allen tends to run a lot as the offense settles in. And then once they hit their stride in the middle part of the season, it's like his attempts go way down. And then they ramp back up at the end of the season in big games in the playoffs. And I wouldn't mind seeing the Eagles take a bit of that approach. Like in games where you don't need it, don't use it as much and, and don't rely on it in the early parts of the season. You've got a lot of talent in your backfield. Uh, but I don't want them to go away from it completely. It, Nick Sirianni kind of hit it on the head when he was asked about how to use Jalen Hurts. And he said that, you know, we didn't pay him more to do less. Like they expect Hurts to still be running the ball, but I just think you have to be smart with how you do that. And for the most part, I think Hurts is smart as a player. Like he does run a lot. You don't see him recklessly throwing his shoulder into guys to try to get into, you know, like, you saw Carson Wentz do, for example. You'll see Hertz go out of bounds. You'll see Hertz slide, but you'll also see him like the two-point conversion play in the Super Bowl. It's a situation you got to lower your shoulder, and so he does. And so I'm not necessarily concerned about him taking dumb hits, but you do want to limit those hits as the season goes along. And so how they do that, how they walk that balance is going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, the other thing I want to talk about, actually, which leads on from this as well, um, a little bit of a spoiler alert, actually, because I've got these two articles up as drafts, but I haven't actually posted them yet, it's bleeding green, is one of my other off-season projects was to go back and look at the Eagles' explosive plays from last year. So I went back and looked at some of, basically, the plays that created the most yardage. And I'm obsessed at the moment with mobile quarterbacks. And it's funny because anyone who's followed me for a while will know that I was probably one of those that was a skeptic. I was much more an old fashioned. I grew up in the Greg Cosell world of learning about quarterback. And I loved the old school NFL pocket passers. And when Johnny Manziel came out, I didn't want anyone to draft him. And I was very skeptical of Lamar Jackson. And I like Blake Bortles. And I, I was, I admit, I was a big old school um, pocket passer sort of fan. And it's one reason actually why Jalen Hurts has really changed the way I view the position. Because just two examples, basically, that I want to give you very quickly about the two biggest um, explosive plays last year. And this is where I think mobility as a quarterback and the ability to run is vital. This won't surprise you, but the two most explosive plays the Eagles had last year were both straight go balls to AJ Brown. Shock. Nothing fancy schematically. There was a 68-yarder against the Bears and a 54-yarder against uh, the Lions. The common denominator in both of them was they were both third and they were both third down. And third down is when defenses like to try out different stuff against you because they see themselves as well. They've got the advantage in many ways. It was third and four and third and six. Now, when it was third and six against the Bears, the Bears decided to bring a nickel um, caller on a blitz. So third and six, they thought they need to do something. And now if you do the maths, if they're bringing five, that means they've got six men in coverage, which means you normally play a zone blitz. It's going to be a free free. So free underneath zones, free deep zones. Jalen Hurts literally steps up, sees the safety in the middle of the field, bombs away, 68 yards. AJ Brown nearly scores. Um, but the really interesting one was the second one because the Lions blitzed four, yet they still ended up with single high coverage. And I watched the play a couple of times. And actually, it's actually on my Twitter if you go back a couple of weeks, or about a week actually, as well. And when you watch the play, I was watching it thinking, right, the Lions have actually doubled Dallas Goddard, basically, with their single, um, with their safety, their in-man coverage on this play. And the thing that stood out was it's third and four, and the Eagles run all verts. Anyone who's ever played Madden knows four verticals as a play. They're very simple. It's four verticals. And I was trying to figure out what was going on with the Lions defense because they've blitzed four and they've got not enough men, not enough men in coverage. AJ Brown and Devontae Smith are both one-on-one. -on -one. And I watched it a couple of times. And then I saw that one of them was covering the running back. So I'm all right. Well, that makes five players in the box. Then you've got your five in coverage. And I couldn't, I literally thought the Lions might have had 10 men on the field. And I realised, I think it's number 34 or 54, one of the two, but you'll see it when you look at the play. He's actually spying Jalen Hurts. And he doesn't blitz. He doesn't cover anyone. He is basically a pointless player. When you watch the play, he is completely and utterly 
pointless. He is standing about, and I'm not sure whether he's meant to be at this point, or whether he should do something else at this point. But Jalen Hurts doesn't look like he's going to run. He has no interest in running. The pass protection works. The running back stays into block as well, so they've got six feet five anyway. And then this guy is just standing there. And because it's four verts, it's not like he can pick up a shallow crossing route. It's not like he can pick up the running back at the backfield. He is literally just standing there doing nothing. And it's really, really simple. And I all sometimes think football is way overcomplicated by people. Um, I'm not a coach and it's incredibly complicated to teach techniques and stuff. But from a basic schematic level, if you take that quarterback spire and you stick him 15 yards deep, you then have too high. You can go from single high to too high on third down by taking out the quarterback's bye. And it just made me realise, one of those plays that you watch and think there is nothing fancy about this Eagles offence, but not all teams are going to have the combination of AJ Brown on the outside, of a great deep ball thrower in the pocket, someone who's willing to stand there on third down and actually be able to dictate what the defence is doing. It's pretty incredible to see the Lions defender just standing there. It basically becomes 11 on 10. And that's how I feel about Jaden Hurts at the moment as a player. He just gives you a numbers advantage everywhere. You need to have two safeties deep because of the offence they've got on the outside. Um, and you just can't do that because of how mobile he is. And I think I'm so interested to see how much he runs next year, as we mentioned, because I think the two tie together. I think Jaden Hurts is a fantastic pocket passer now, and some people do not give him anywhere near enough credit. But I have absolutely no doubt that his mobility massively helps his passing. I don't think people realise on a week-to-week -week basis how simple the coverages we face sometimes are, because teams are limited by what they can do, because they constantly have to have eyes in the backfield, because if they don't, Hurts can just pick up easy yardage. And Hurts isn't the only one, but he's one of the best, him, Phils and Lamar. I'm not talking like an average athlete here. We're talking extremely good athlete. And the difference between Hurts, I think he's a better pocket passer than the rest of those um, players. Lamar's got a better arm. Um, but it's just really interesting to watch this play. And as I said, if you go back on my Twitter, you'll see it because it feels like the Eagles have an extra player on offense. And if Jaden Hurts keeps running the ball as efficiently as he does, and they keep connecting on these deep shots, I really don't see a way the offense is going to be stopped. Now, any defense can have their wins. You could play single high. Your cornerback can be really good and might win a few against AJ Brown. But I've never felt so confident going into a season. Not because I think the Eagles OC is going to be brilliant or I think Nick Sirianni is a genius. I just think they're so, so talented. And as, unless something weird happens, and I sort of ignore injuries because injuries can happen to every single team. So if you say, yeah, well, if AJ Brown and Dallas Goddard get hurt, well, yeah, if CD Lamb and um, Tony Pollard get hurt, the Cowboys are going to be worse as well. I mean, every single team in the NFL is going to be worse if their star players get hurt. So it's sort of like a pointless argument in some ways, in my opinion. But yeah, I'm just fascinated to see how the Eagles offense develops because I'm not sure they have to do anything revolutionary, anything different. I think they're just so good that you're going to see a very similar offense. And I wonder how defenses are going to play them. So I'm very interested to watch the start of the year to see if teams really try and take away those explosive plays. And we see a really heavy run first offense. Um, or you might see the opposite. You might see teams think, screw it, you are not going to run on us. We're going to sit in single height. We're going to trust our corners. And if you connect one every two deep balls, go for it. Um, but it was interesting seeing the Eagles run four verts on third and four as well. Because I would like to bet not a lot of teams would call that play in that particular situation. And by the way, that was in their own half as well. So the odds are if they don't connect... They are punting. I don't believe they're going to go for it. I think they're on their own 30-yard line. I don't think they'd have gone for it on fourth and four. So, yeah, I'm really interested to see how defences stop the offence, basically, or try to stop the offence next year. Yeah, the, the Eagles' mantra last year was just like, we don't have a game plan. We're just going to let you pick how you would like to lose today. If you want to stop the run, we're happy to throw the ball everywhere. If you want to play you know, over the top, then we'll run the ball on you. And Jalen Hurts and any quarterback with mobility just gives you so much there. I mean, the fact that Jalen Hurts is so good as a runner, it, it immediately eliminates like half your repertoire. You cannot play man coverage. At least you can't play cover two man because there's nobody there to, with eyes on Jalen Hurts. All he has to do is break the pocket and it's 15 or 20 yards. And so you can play cover one man and spy somebody, but do you really want to put yourself with AJ Brown on one sideline and Devonta Smith on the other with a safety trying to figure out where you're going to go? Like 
you could play cover two man and only rush three. So you have a spy, but you're not going to get to Hertz with a three man rush against this offensive line. And so like it almost immediately eliminates man coverage. And now you've got Dallas Goddard, who's so good at sitting in those soft spots against zone and making tough catches. Devonta Smith is such a smooth route runner. It, it makes it really hard for defensive coordinators. And you talked about Jalen Hurts and even just how good he is from the pocket. And so I want to throw this graphic up. This is something I tweeted out. I was doing a bunch of digging into uh, quarterback stats and let me remove the, the little logo in the top right corner here so we can see it all. But people talk about the RPOs and play action. And so I went and dug up every quarterback with over 300 passing attempts last year, and I excluded RPO screens and play action just to see where a quarterback's ranked. We take away the easy stuff. How did quarterbacks do purely passing from the pocket without those things? Again, without RPO screens and play action, Jalen Hurts ranked second in the league in EPA per play behind Tua, which, I mean, it's well-documented how much space the Mike McDaniel offense generated and how you know, they had Tua had those easy throws, but uh, he was also third in completion percentage. He led the league in yards per attempt, and he had the lowest interception percentage when purely passing from the pocket. And so people talk about RPOs and they talk about how easy the Eagles offense was. And yeah, the, the Eagles did lead the league in RPOs. Uh, but let me read the list to you of the of the quarterbacks who used the most RPOs last season. You got Jalen Hurts, Aaron Rodgers. Tua, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. It's all good quarterbacks, right? I mean, Rodgers has the down year, broken thumb, whatever. Uh, maybe you don't want to put Tua in that category because it was his first year and the weapons or whatever. But the point is that people that want to discount what the Eagles did because of RPOs, you're not using facts. Like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, these guys are up there too because it makes the offense easier. And why would you not want to make the offense easier for, for your quarterback? And so, yes, like the Eagles offense was simple and yes, they have an elite offensive line and elite weapons, but the point of the game is not to make things as difficult on your quarterback as possible. See Justin Herbert and the chargers. That's not the goal. That's why their offensive coordinator got fired and they hired a new one. The goal is to simplify things and the Eagles do run a remarkably simple offense but they executed it flawlessly last year. And I would even say the margin for error in their offense is pretty big because of what we've talked about Jalen hurts mobility and how that dictates what the offense can do. So uh, I just thought those were interesting as you were talking about hurts as a pocket passer. Uh, I wanted to be sure and bring that up and say that he, he was so good, even just from the pocket and it's not just throwing those deep balls either. He was just remarkably good operating in nearly every facet last year, except against the blitz. If you wanted to slow down the Eagles offense last year, one way you could do that was blitzing. And uh, JT O'Sullivan pointed out on, on YouTube QB school, go check him out. If you haven't, I pointed it out in some of my videos, although not nearly to the degree of uh, knowledge base that JT O'Sullivan did uh, that the Eagles didn't seem to have hot reads built into their offense. That was one of the things. And I think some of that came from uh, Miles Sanders, not being a good receiving back. He's not a good pass catcher. And to be honest, neither he or Kenny Gainwell was great in pass protection either. And so you got into this weird situation where you don't really send them out on routes, but also they're not really a positive when they stayed in to block. And so you didn't really know how to handle the blitz last year. Now the reports out of camp have been that DeAndre Swift has been running like all kinds of routes and that he's been catching the ball a lot and he's been good in pass protection. Uh, how do you think the Eagles address that weakness? If you were going to say there's a chink in the armor last year, I would say it's in handling the blitz. Do you think that's something that they'll have a better plan for this season? Yeah, so that's, I mean, how many times did we speak about this last year? I think I got bored saying the same things in articles. And I think, to be honest, we came down to the opinion, both of us, that it was by design. Like The Eagles aren't idiots. Nick Sirianni's not sitting there going, wait, hot route. Can we get JT on the phone? What does he mean? Like, they're very smart people. It was obviously by design. I know Honest NFL on Twitter sort of said it was like negligent. And I sort of, I get it to an extent, but it's hard to call anything the Eagles offensive staff did last year particularly poor. Um, the bigger issue, in my opinion, which you've mentioned there, was the lack of running back being able to block and catch out the backfield because Sanders really is not a good receiving back. So there's a few things they can do, the Eagles, really. They're not going to leave Dallas Goddard into block. 
end of. They're going to play a lot of 11 personnel still. So you either leave your running back into block or you try and get the ball out extremely quickly. And I think this is where uh, things can change against the blitz. So there's a couple of things that I'd look out for in terms of, and this answers your question, but also gives the listeners a few other things to look out for next year. I think the few things, the questions I have currently with the offense, if I was to think about change, I think one is Cam Jurgens playing right guard because he is just an insanely good athlete. And I wonder if that also lends itself to even more gap scheme runs because you're going to want to pull Jurgens as much as you possibly can. I think one thing that they have to get better at, and I think this is something they can do against the Blitz, is screen passes. Their screen game is dreadful considering how good the offense is. For a team like the Eagles, coming from the Andy Reid school years ago, with the quarterback they've got and the receivers they've got and the offensive line they've got. I mean, Jurgens and Kels next to each other, but Sam Ali wasn't bad either in space. They have to be better at screen passes and not just the reverse tight end screen they throw to Dallas Goddard because everyone knows that by now. We know they can do that. I mean, like a running back screen, bubble screens. They have to get better at them. And I think that's one thing they can do in obvious situations where you think a blitz is coming. In clear down, if you do game planning, and this is what offensive staff do during the week, they'll try and predict when the defensive coordinators are going to bring pressure, what the down distance is going to be. If you can predict it, they need to have a few bit of plays lined up against the blitz. And one thing they can do, I think, is screen passes. And I think Cam Jurgens fits the bill well for that, because I think you can do a few different types of screens. Uh, the other thing that I'm really interested to see is I think DeAndre Swift is the... X factor in this offense, shall we say. He's the piece that I'm not sure about. I love Rashad Penny. Love him. I think Rashad Penny's going to get more carries than people think. I think Rashad Penny's going to get more goal line work. I think Swift's going to be a little bit more of a hybrid receiver running back type. And as part of my off-season studies, one thing that I've been doing recently is looking a lot at some of the best offenses to try and get some ideas about what they do. And I've been studying the Lions and the 49ers quite a lot. And the Lions are interesting because they couldn't find a role for Swift, which is interesting because they're meant to have one of the best young minds in the game. But what the 49ers did, which is really good, um, is uh, they used Christian McCaffrey a lot on option routes at the backfields. So he was almost like their check down. Um, uh, offenses these days don't really do full field reads. One, two, three, four. You don't really see many quarterbacks take the snap, seven step drops, look left, read one to two, don't like what they see, read back to three in the middle of the field, don't like it, read back to four and hit a deep comeback. You don't really see quarterbacks do that these days because it's normally one, two scramble because nearly every quarterback can run. And if you get to the point where you've already gone past your first couple of reads, the risk reward of hitting that third, fourth um, read, despite being an old school traditional pocket passer and love seeing all the old school guys doing it, the risk reward in the modern game is just not really worth it because the longer you sit in the pocket, the more you get hit, uh, the more you fumble, the more sacks you take, negative plays. And one thing this Eagles offense is fantastic at and hurts does not get anywhere near enough credit online for this is he doesn't take negative plays. Interceptions, I think that graph you showed a minute ago, his interception numbers are just extremely low. So I wonder if Swift can be like the consistent check down. Because what the 49ers do with Christian McCaffrey is they'll have a front side concept, name any concept in the world, dagger, levels, whatever. And then Christian McCaffrey will basically just be on a choice route out of the backfield. He'll basically run forward. And if he's covered by a linebacker and he's got space to the outside, he'll go to the outside. If he's got space to the inside, he'll go to the inside. A bit Wes Welkery back in the old Patriots days when he didn't really have a set route. It was just, we'll go where the space is. Travis Kelsey is the best at this in the modern game as well. Now, it's putting a lot on DeAndre Swift because these routes are hard because your quarterback and, rec and receiver or running back have got to be really in sync. It's a bit random, but I wonder if that's something they'll do. They'll just basically use DeAndre Swift a lot as this sort of check down. And if you do get blitz, you can almost ignore your first, second read and just dump it off to DeAndre Swift as the sort of built-in hot route onto a majority, into a lot of plays. Now, I don't think you can do that with Sanders or Gamewell. I don't think they're good enough to do that. I don't think they warrant the amount of touches. Um, so I'll be really interested to see if that's what they do with Swift because I don't think this offense is going to dramatically change. I don't think you're going to see them leave a lot of men into block because they're too good to leave got it into block. Um, so I think there will be times when offense defenses, sorry, are going to blitz them and we're going to all shout online again and JTO Sullivan's going to get his video out and we're all going to moan. But it's obviously a design choice. 
And I think one of the things that he, one of the reasons the Eagles don't like doing that is because if they can complete the pass or Jalen Hurts can scramble, if they're bringing one more than you've got in protection, well, again, do the maths, they're going to have one less player defending. So I almost think the Eagles want you to blitz. They're saying, do you know what? Do it. Because if you bring five or six, you're guaranteed to have single high coverage. I'm going to throw it up to AJ Brown. And I think people, schematic guys, think, well, that's not a realistic hot route. Well, it's like, well, it sort of is because he wins on such a high percentage. And he's better than probably 95% of the cornerbacks he's going to go up against. And by the way, it's not just as simple as that. And when I get the series out on explosive plays, you'll realise the Eagles line AJ Brown up everywhere. Two of the explosive plays last year that I mentioned, he wasn't the X on either of them. On the two biggest plays last year, he wasn't the X, he was the Z. Devontae Smith was the X. In one of them, he was in a reduced split, so he had the whole outside uh, area of the field to work with. So it's not just as simple as sticking him outside as saying, run. It's a lot more complicated than that, the way the Eagles do things. Um, but I don't see them drastically changing the offense, but I think they're the big uh, changes I would look out for against the Blitz, the screen game and how they use DeAndre Swift. And... I reckon one final thought on the offense. I know I'm going proper in depth here, so apologies. But there's one final thing that's interesting to me is this has been a talking point. And I heard uh, Ollie Connolly, who is a really good follow at Ollie Connolly on Twitter, um, a fellow Brit as well. So I always follow as many as many fellow Englishmen who speak well about the NFL. Um, he was talking about how the NFL was going very gap scheme heavy at the moment, like I've just touched upon. Now, the problem with that is it's much harder to run your play action game with gap scheme runs, because if you think about inside zone, you take a handoff, then you drop back and you throw it. Very simple. But if you're faking counter, you've got two offensive linemen pulling. And it's really difficult to run play action from gap scheme because, well, just think about it in your head. Offensive linemen are pulling all over the place. It's not doesn't lend itself to having a nice pocket for passing the football. So I want to see if the Eagles will go a bit more college -y. And I use that as not a real word, but what Brian Johnson might bring something is uh, maybe a few more like empty sets where you fake a quarterback draw and then you throw a slant behind the linebacker who's coming out to make a play. A bit old school Cam Newton uh, like. I wonder if we see a bit more of a college feel to the offense. And that's not a negative term at all, by the way. But you see like more play action from this gap scheme and often they're misdirection play. They almost look like trick plays. If you watch a quarterback from empty fake to run and then throw a slant, it looks a bit like gimmicky. But I wonder if that's one of the other things the Eagles are going to add to the offense this year. And I know Brian Johnson, maybe that's one of the reasons why um, they decided to add him as well. Um, I think that's just something to look out for is do we see some more play action from the gap scheme looks? Because it's not easy to do that. It's much easier to run play action from inside zone, outside zone. The problem is the Eagles zone running game wasn't very good last year so that's something else to look out for i think we might see some more i say i would say gimmicky type plays but play action from gap scheme where you might see some of those plays be effective against teams that are blitzing uh, basically yeah uh, the eagles were so remarkably good out of empty last year like if you could build the whole offense out of empty i would be all for it but if you you if you look at just epa which not, I don't have EPA per play. I could go, I could go find it though. But if you just look at EPA out of empty plays, Jalen Hurts led the league last year with nearly 33 EPA out of empty. Second place was Joe Burrow with 15. And, and the crazy thing is Joe Burrow had 20 more plays out of empty than Jalen Hurts did. Like the Eagles were remarkably good out of empty nearly double the epa of the next closest team on less attempts and so they're phenomenal out of empty build the whole plane out of empty like i i was i love empty especially when you can put aj brown and devonta smith on the same side out of empty and it forces defenses to declare so much to you before the snap and and you can do that. You mentioned A.J. Brown not always being the X. A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith both took about a quarter of their snaps in the slot last year. And you've got Dallas Goddard you can put in the slot. And you can put Quez Watkins operated mostly out of the swap, slot. But there's just so much you can change. The little dials you can spend to hone in on things for the Eagles offense. And uh, it, it's just incredible to watch. I'm really excited to see what Brian Johnson has uh, to show us there. So, uh, before we throw to a quick break here, do you have any final thoughts you want to throw out about the offense before we pivot to the defense? No, I feel like I have basically just 
said a bunch of random things that I've been thinking about for the past three months while I've been in my room watching too much football. Um, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll give you one random thing because I watched him in way too much detail. I think, I know the training camp report backed this up. I think Quez Watkins is going to be better than we think. I think those worrying about wide receiver three, I worry about wide receivers on the outside. I think the Eagles need one more potentially as a backup, although I think some of the players, um, isn't the Garter, who's been doing well uh, in training camp. But Quez Watkins' film is weird. Like, I had to write about him this offseason. I went back and watched my or read my previous article about him the year before, and he was good. I mean, he was like genuinely a good receiver. And then by about week eight onwards this year was horrendous. So I'm going to say that he is somebody to look out for. He's not going to get a lot of targets, but I wonder if the injury really did um, hurt him more than we think down the stretch. So my final nugget would be just, yeah, keep an eye on him in preseason as well, because I think he's much better than what he has shown us. And I lied. One other thing. While we're seeing as it's Philly and we love backup quarterbacks, um, if Marcus Mariota <laughs> does end up playing this year, I think we might see the most fun offense ever where they're not going to care how many hits he takes. It's literally QB run, QB <laughs> run, run, bomb. QB, there's going to be no in between. The intermediate area of the field is not going to be looked at. It's going to be RPOs, quick slants, make them stack the box and then just launch it deep. So, no, I don't want Jaden Hurts to, to get hurt, obviously. Um, but there's just a part of me, especially preseason. I just want to see what Mariota's is like. I don't think he's very good, by the way, but he can run. And the way yeah. this offense is set up, it could just be hilarious to watch him uh, in an actual game this year. Yeah, he he would have like 15 yeah. carries, and then he would have like 20 pass attempts, and eight of them would be 30-plus yeah. yards downfield, and the other 12 would be bubble screens. Literally, it would like be the most college. Every, everything, his A dot would be like 12 or 13 yeah. yards, but – on his passing chart, everything would be within like three yards of the line of scrimmage or 30 yards downfield. It would yeah. be hilarious. In my mind, see. that's just what it's going to be like, which would be quite fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll just count on that for week 18 we uh, when, when the Eagles have already secured the one seed. So, all right, we are going to throw to a quick break here and we will be right back after the break to talk Eagles defense. So stay tuned. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We are back here on the EPA podcast with our special guest, Johnny Page. Again, be sure you check out his written work for Bleeding Green Nation if you haven't throughout the summer. There's a big backlog to catch up on. I always feel like I learn a ton both reading his work and chatting with him. So glad we got you on the podcast today, Johnny. Let's pivot over to the defensive side of the ball. I'm sure we could both say a lot more about the offense, but that's probably why BGN doesn't give us a podcast together because it would be like six-hour episodes weekly. And so we'll try to keep this tight here. Let's switch over to defense. Obviously, the Eagles' defense last year had near record sack totals, and I don't think it's reasonable or realistic to expect them to repeat that. Uh, but let's talk about what we expect from the Sean Desai defense this year. And one thing I'm really interested in, I want to start up front with, is the defensive tackle position. Um, obviously, the Eagles have Jordan Davis, who almost nobody is talking about. Um, first round pick, a guy the Eagles traded up for a year ago. A and then they have Jalen Carter, the guy everyone's talking about, the first round pick they traded up for this year. And so the Eagles love their trenches. Uh, Jordan Davis didn't make the impact that people expected or wanted out of a first round pick last season. Uh, he didn't play a lot early in the year, 
He played 34.6% of the snaps pre-injury, excluding the game where he got injured because it wasn't a full game. And early in the season, he played exclusively as the nose tackle in the Eagles' five-man fronts. Now, in that Steelers game where he got injured, for the first time, they let him line up not as a zero tech. And I was really anxious to see how that worked out. They put it in coming out of the bye, and then he got hurt. Well, after the injury, his snap share dropped under 20%, 19.6%. And obviously, they had signed uh, Linval Joseph and Indomitian Sue. Uh, it did go back up to about 30% in the postseason. So let's start with Jordan Davis. What are your expectations for him this year? I mean, obviously, the Eagles lost Javon Hargrave, who played 65% of the snaps. Do you expect to see Jordan Davis just on rushing downs? Do you think he'll line up in different positions this year? What do you think is reasonable to expect from Davis in year two? Yeah, it's a really interesting question because – I really like Jordan Davis coming out and I, I like the pick. I would say I was a skeptic. I think some people absolutely loved the pick and I was a little bit more, not concerned, but interested, I'll say. I thought there was a range of outcomes. Um, please, please tweet me when I'm wrong because I really hope I'm wrong. But I, I, I would be in the concerned category from what I saw last year. Now, like everyone, players go through a lot and I think he clearly was worse when he came back from injury. But I don't think we can just sit here and say, well, therefore, he'll be much better because otherwise there's no point anyone ever watching the film because every player's hurt a lot anyway. All I can say is what I saw. What I saw wasn't very good. Um, I didn't think in the Super Bowl, I know it's one game, but he only had 10 snaps, but he looked quite weak on those snaps as well. Um, for this style of defence, and the, we all know the way the modern NFL is going, anyone listening to this podcast probably knows that we're following a Brandon Staley world currently or a... Um, Oh, my mind's gone blank. Who's the Dolphins? DC. Uh, Fangio. Fangio. That's it. We're yeah, living in the Fangio. Yeah, we're living Fangio. in the too high world. And I think most people who listen to this, as I said, and even anyone who basically follows any sort of X's nose knows this. And it's not rocket science to tell everyone that when you play with too high safeties, you are going to need a very, very good defensive line, linebackers, whatever, to stop the run with one less player. And Jordan Davis is like vital to that. He cannot be it cannot be overstated how important he is to this defense. The whole structure of the defense relies on being one less in the box. And you basically have to have players that can take up two. I think Carter will do that. Davis scares me. The reason why he scares me is because I don't, I look at the team currently and I really like Milton Williams. I quite like street as a sick defensive tackle. Their seventh round guy. They got a Jomo or whatever his name is, was a steal in my opinion. Cox can still play. I mean, they've got good defensive tackles. But there is one nose tackle. So I'm not that interested in seeing Jalen, I'm seeing, sorry, I'm Jordan Davis that much outside of nose tackle. Not because I think he can't do it, but just because I think they've got so many options this year. I'd probably rather see um, Milton Williams, Cox, or Jalen Carter as a free tech. But really, I don't see another out and out nose tackle. And one of the interesting developments last year, which I don't think the Eagles are going to want this year, by the way, was the Eagles flat out could not stop the run from four-man fronts last year. Like, basically every week, if the Eagles had four men on the line of scrimmage, teams just ran the ball, and it was a disaster. The only way they could stop the run was playing five-man fronts. Now, we accepted that for a little bit of time, but I keep doing my maths and football thing. It's all I ever talk about now. But you put five men on the line of scrimmage, well, you got six in coverage. Yes, you can drop one out, but he's starting on the line of scrimmage. It's harder to drop deep when you're standing on the line of scrimmage. So the Eagles are not going to want to run five-man fronts as much as they did last year. To be honest, it sort of defeats the object of having someone like Jordan Davis when you're constantly running five-man fronts because you don't need a great nose tackle in that sense because the idea is, you know, you've got the extra man on the line of scrimmage. So I would assume the Eagles are going to want to get a lot more four-man fronts this year. And I think Jordan Davis is going to have to play well. This might be a bit controversial, and I hope it doesn't sound too controversial, but I've sort of given up with the idea of him as a pass rusher from what I saw last year. Now, I hope I'm really wrong. To me, he just looks slow. And again, this could be injury-related. It could be health concerns, fatigue. I sort of count that as a problem with him anyway because he's so big. But he did not look like he had quick twitch to him. He did not look like he was going to be able to rush the quarterback, in my opinion. I think occasionally he'll just bulldoze a small guard or a center occasionally but realistically to me his job now which some people would say first round pick is it worth it and i would say yes in the modern nfl it is he is a run stuffer 
So I don't really care about the rushing the quarterback aspect. If he takes up two blockers and just literally sits there and takes up two guys and lets the edge guys have one-on-one or lets Jalen Carter get one-on-one against the other guard, then brilliant. What Jordan Davis has got to be good enough, and this is my big, big thing for him next year, he has to be good enough to command double double teams. I almost don't care if he wins against the double teams, which maybe sounds a bit... I don't really care. If I look on PFF and he's got no pressures, I don't really care. But when I watch the film, I want to see what they're double teaming him. Because there were times last year when he wasn't even being double teamed and he wasn't getting anywhere. And that's a problem. Because then you're basically running a net negative. You might as well put Milton Williams out there in that position when you're rushing the quarterback. So my thing for Jordan Davis would be keep it really simple. All I want to see from him is command, double coverage, double team, sorry, to anchor the run defense and take up two blockers. And if they do throw the ball when he's on the field, I don't want him to be charging down, getting five sacks. I'm just not expecting that. Nothing I saw last year, again, I might be completely wrong and he might come back and look a, a different player because when he has snaps when he looks good, he looks like a freak. But in my opinion, he looks like more of a lateral freak in terms of a run defense sort of freak where he just sort of pushes guys away with elite strength. He doesn't look to me like he's going to ball rush guys back into the quarterback very often, or I did not see it last year. Um, so my thing for him would be maybe year three, let's say a pass rusher, but year two, just make sure when you're on the field, you're taking up two men, you're helping anchor the run game, and you're enabling the defense to play with one less man in the box. If you do that, then you're worth a first round pick in my eyes because in the modern NFL, that player is vital. But you can put me in the concerned camp where I want to see quite a lot more from him. He is somebody, if he does play in preseason, he'll be one of the players that I'll be watching uh, very carefully, personally. All right. Yeah. So, I, I was one of those people that I, I both was very high on Jordan Davis and I was disappointed when they drafted him because uh, Jordan Davis was the number seven player on my big board, but Kyle Hamilton was number one. And I called Kyle Hamilton in pre-draft work, the best defensive prospect I'd ever evaluated. And so when they traded up and, and they, I knew they were going to take Jordan Davis when they jumped to the Ravens and I was excited about the pick, but there was a little bit of me. It was like, man, we could have had Kyle Hamilton. And then he struggled early on and then he turned it around and had the high, he was the highest graded safety, I believe last year by PFF, the first rookie to ever do that. So you can take PFF grades for what they're worth, but Kyle Hamilton at, I stand by would have been a great Philadelphia Eagle. Uh, as for Jordan Davis, th- this, I, I heard, I uh, saw Shiel Kapadia tweet this out and I can't remember what the, I think this is right. Uh, but, do you know how many pass rushing snaps Jordan Davis played last year? Uh, uh, hundreds. I I think it was like five. Was it really? Yeah. Wow. And, and I have to go. You can fact check that. Somebody can fact check me on that. But I'm pretty sure that was the number. It was five. It was extraordinary low. I'm pretty sure it was five. So the Eagles didn't view him as a pass rusher last year. And, you know, like you said, I don't think it'd be nice if he developed into a pass rusher as well. He doesn't have to. Uh, It's remarkably hard to get pressures from a nose tackle position. Last year, Dexter Lawrence led the league with 29 from nose tackle and second closest had like seven. So it's just not a position where you impact the pocket a lot. But if he can command those double teams, if he can anchor down the interior, it opens up Hassan Reddick. It opens up uh, Fletcher Cox. It opens up Josh Sweat. These guys to go attack the passer more. And to be honest, it helps disguise the major weakness that is the Eagles linebacker core, which is also dramatically undersized. So uh, I'm I'm more I'm still more optimistic about Jordan Davis than most defensive tackles usually take a while. And, you know, his season was derailed by injury, but the conditioning is a concern like you need him to be able to be on the field more. And so the Eagles took another defensive tackle uh, from Georgia in Jalen Carter, who fell because of off-field concerns, red flags, and things like that. But when looking at just the player, he was pretty much consensus number one or number two player in the draft for most people at removing those con- those off-field concerns. And I don't know what people expect from Jalen Carter this year. I don't know what you expect from Jalen Carter, but I have been cautioning people that in the last decade, there's been 26 first-round defensive tackles drafted. And they've averaged only 2.3 sacks in their rookie seasons. Uh, Only one defensive tackle as a rookie has had more than five sacks, and that was Aaron Donald, which 
he comes around once in a generation, right? So uh, I expect Jalen Carter to have a big role, certainly. Uh, but I do think people are going to be a little bit surprised in that Jordan Davis and Fletcher Cox and Milton Williams, these guys are going to play as much and probably more in some cases than Carter early on. Uh, what do you expect from Jalen Carter in year one? Do you think he's going to take the league by storm? Do you think he's more of like a rotational person early? How do you think that defensive tackle rotation plays out? You're going to have to sort of help me as well because I'm expecting big things. I, I'm not always that positive on rookies. I don't really still get why he fell. And obviously there's off the field stuff and I know there's nothing to do with that. But in terms of on field, like I mean, he's as good as anyone I've seen in a long, long time. Um, you mentioned Carl Hamilton being a best defensive player. I haven't really put a, a list down, but Carter would be up there. And I've been watching, um, I've been scouting the draft since the Aaron Donald days for a long time, which makes me feel very old. But I think he'll play more than maybe you expect. It's tricky because I like Milton Williams and Cox will get his his minute, his um, snaps as well. I think that's where he goes back to the Jordan Davis thing about how much they're going to use Jordan Davis as a nose tackle. If they're going to live in these five-man fronts, then Carter's going to play a lot because you're going to have Davis, Carter, Cox, or uh, Davis, Carter, Williams, whatever. If they go back to this more four-man front with Jordan Davis out there a lot more, then you're probably going to see less Carter because I think Fletcher Cox is probably going to be the starting defensive tackle in that situation. Um, but I think Carter will play. And to be honest, I wonder how whether Carter will be good enough to play like a one technique and they can then play less Jordan Davis, which I do think is a possibility. And despite the fact they obviously drafted Jordan Davis very high, they, they did take another defensive tackle the year after in the first. So I think both of them are going to play. Um, to be honest, I think the rookies in general are really interesting to see how they play because I think they're going to shape the defense. I think Nolan Smith is another one who I know timing wise, we haven't got too long to get into the defense, but I think Nolan Smith is just fascinating because Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter, both of them are going to shape the way this Eagles defense looks next year. Like I was quite pessimistic about Nolan Smith and I, I, I love him I, as a guy. He just seems unbelievably cool. But I was not like the biggest fan of his and I was not at all surprised. Many people will remember because I was getting a lot of grief on Twitter about it. I didn't think he'd go early one. And when he fell to 30, I was sort of like, yeah, that's where I thought he'd go. Um, but that seems to be very unpopular online. But Nolan Smith can just play like anywhere. And, and I think some people have been a bit annoyed he's been taking snaps as off-ball linebacker. But he's not an out-and-out -out pass rusher. He's just a fantastic athlete. So put him anywhere. Like, if you're going to play these more five-man fronts, stick him as an edge. But if the Eagles do play more four-man fronts, and Nolan Smith's not really a 4 free defensive end, so then you're going to see him as the will, um, which, depending on whether he rushes to pass that, is he an edge to play? It depends how you categorise all these terms. They all sound very similar at times. But I don't think Nolan Smith's going to be someone you just line up as an every-down pass rusher. Like, I do want to see him in coverage. I want to see him in stunts. I want to see him blitzing from the off-ball linebacker position. Basically, he should just be like a creative offensive chess piece that just moves around everywhere because he's like the modern-day jack-of-all-trades defender, um, to use a cliche, where he can do so many things. And I'm, I'm just really interested because normally, like you, I downplay rookies. And I don't think Nolan Smith will play that many snaps as much as people probably hope because of how good the people are in front of him. But I can't think of another year where the three the free sort of rookies are going to have to have an impact. Sidney Brown less so, but I still think Carter and Smith and Sidney Brown, they're going to have a huge part to play on this defence. Maybe not in terms of snaps, but in terms of the way it's designed and the role they play, uh, I think they are going to have a really important role. So, yeah, I'm interested to see all three of them. Um, fascinated to watch them in preseason, actually, to see how they use. I don't think we learn much from preseason because defences are so bland and vanilla. But I think you will get an idea of the roles they're asking these players to play. So I'm really inter interested to see where Nolan Smith uh, lines up. I I sometimes fall asleep at night and I dream about an Eagles four-man front that has like Jalen Carter as the nose tackle and then Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham like as your defensive ends and then you've got Hassan Reddick and Nolan Smith lined up as like your wide nine and maybe they're coming, maybe they're not, maybe they're going to drop one of – you could kick uh, – I mean you could put Jordan Davis at the nose and Jalen Carter replacing Brandon Graham, whatever you want to do, but I dream of those guys screaming off opposite edges against each other. Um, 
Well, we're, we're running out of time here. Let's pivot over and talk about the Eagles schedule. I'm sure we could spend a lot more time on defense, but uh, maybe, maybe we'll do that later. So the Eagles schedule this year, um, a lot of people consider the Eagles schedule, like one of the most difficult in the NFL. I personally don't like gauging strength of schedule off of how teams finished the year before because so much changes. Uh, I, I tend to look at like the Vegas win totals, the projected win totals, because it takes into account your off season, your draft. Like, do we really expect the jets to miss the playoffs again? Now that they have Aaron Rodgers, like a lot changes. So uh, using the Vegas win totals uh, to determine strength of schedule, it shows that the Eagles have the 13th easiest schedule. So right around average, uh, just a little easier than the average NFL schedule. Uh, now they, they start off pretty easy. In my opinion, uh, you get new England at new England at home against Minnesota at Tampa Bay versus Washington at the Rams. Like it feels to me like the Eagles need to start the year five and zero because their schedule gets pretty brutal after that. You go to the Jets and versus Miami. Obviously, those are going to be difficult games at Washington. But then that this five-week stretch where you go Dallas by Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, Dallas. Like, that is just a brutal stretch. And it, I'm kind of a little bit excited because last year going into the playoffs, you're like, the Eagles are really good. They've also blown everybody out, so we don't even really know how good they are. Maybe the NFC is just terrible. Uh, we're going to get some stretches this year that is really going to test the Eagles, and I'm excited to not get to a Super Bowl having not been super tested and totally get your pants pulled down around your ankles because, oh my gosh, the defense actually isn't that good. That's not going to happen this year. Uh, but how how crucial do you think it is to get off to a good start and, you know, are the, do the Eagles survive that five-week stretch? That's going to be brutal. Can I just say, you said the same thing I was going to say. I'm excited. I think when you're a really good team, I think actually one of the problems the Eagles had last year was they didn't really get challenged enough. And the Eagles do need to get off to a good start. Like In my opinion, the NFC is very weak, and this is not exactly a hot take, but it feels like it's Eagles, Cowboys, or Niners, doesn't it? There's a few other teams there, but those are the three. Cowboys' defense is sadly very, very, very legit. Um, reports out of trading camp from Micah Parsons are just absurd. Luckily, Lane Johnson seems to have his number um, at the moment, but he's only going to get better. I think the start is going to be important. Um, I still feel like he was quite young as a team, and Jalen Hurts is still a young quarterback, and Nick Sirianni, the OC, but DC, they're all quite new. So I feel like they, they will want to get off to a good start. I think they've got quite a nice schedule where the early weeks will test them, None of those are easy games. Patriots, Vikings, Rams, uh, Commanders, if they're still called that by the time we play them. They're not um, They're not easy by any means. Washington's defense is going to be good. Um, the Vikings have obviously got Justin Jefferson. The Bucks probably will be easy, hopefully, but you never know. Still got some good receivers there. But yeah, that stretch is, I'm really looking forward to it. That Jets, Dolphins, Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, Niners, Cowboys stretch will be really, really good to see where this team's at. Um, I think we're going to have to accept they're going to lose some. The odds of them going into Chiefs and going to the Cowboys and playing the homes to Bills and the Niners and winning them all seem unlikely, even going to the Jets. And the Jets could be extremely good this year. I think Aaron Rodgers has got a serious point to prove. But I think overall, actually, I'm more positive about it because I think it's good for the Eagles to be tested more. I think last year, let's be honest, we were fantastic last year as a team, but we also had a very, very nice schedule. And looking back at it, you wonder how different the season would have been. And maybe Jonathan Gannon's defense needed a little bit of testing, uh, but it didn't get because of how easy the schedule was. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't expect like an undefeated season or 15, 16 wins just because of how difficult the schedule is. But if I had to place bets on it, I would still say the Eagles are probably um, the best team in the NFC. And I think even if the year doesn't go perfectly, I think they could easily end up being good enough to beat Cowboys or Niners on the road if those two teams uh, do, in fact, beat them. But I feel pretty confident. I said at the start, I feel there's a lot of question marks about this Eagles team. There's question marks at safety. There's question marks at linebacker in particular. But every team has question marks. I think overall, when you look at the depth chart, this is a very good football team. And football teams need superstars, and the Eagles have got superstars, especially on offense. 
the really, really big thing for me, which could probably define how far the Eagles defense goes next year, is can Reddick repeat what he did last year? Not necessarily in terms of numbers, but in terms of disruption, because it's hard to repeat those numbers. And then who's going to step up on defense? I think one or two players are going to have to, whether it's Nicobe Dean, um, whether it's uh, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, um, Reed Blankenship. I think they need one or two players to really, really be an elite, elite team. Um, but that's the final of the season. They're going to get some really good quarterbacks. And by the end of the year, after that schedule, we're going to know if these players can play or not. Um, and that's the fun about playing a schedule like that is we're going to know what the defense is made of by the time we get to the playoffs because we're going to have seen them against some really good quarterbacks uh, and Dak Prescott. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, so the Eagles over under win total in Vegas right now is 11 and a half. Uh, or the Eagles, you taking the over or the under for, I'm not going to make you give me a specific prediction. Yeah, no, I, know I love you hate this. that, but over, under, over, under 11 and a half wins. Like, so what, how many games do we have these days? There's 17 games, right? 17, it, yeah. It seems to change. So if you're going under, they've got to lose six. So they'd have to be 10 and seven or worse. Right, I would. Well, no, yeah. no, no, eleven and six. Eleven and six. Worse. So that's lose six. Oh, I, I don't, yeah, Chiefs, Cowboys once, um, Jets or Dolphins once. That's four Niners or Seahawks once. I think I'd hit the over actually, because I feel like if they played like they should do, they should just be too talented for Patriots, Vikings, but those kind of teams. Obviously, there's a million things that could go into this, um, but I feel like talent wise they should be good enough to beat those bad teams. I think they'd have to really slip up to not do it. See, for once, I feel like I'm always a pessimist. I'm actually relatively optimistic this year, which means it's going to be a disaster. It's all going to go wrong. Um, but I just I look at the depth chart, and I, I'm a big believer, and I say this nearly every week in every article. So if you've ever read anything I do, you probably get bored by it. But I think online we get a bit obsessed by scheme, and I myself do. I'm breaking down all these run plays, like, oh, that's cool. Everyone runs very similar plays. Yes, some coaches are better than others, but talent is massively important. Oh, Carl Shanahan's suddenly an absolute uh, wizard. He's probably the best offensive coach there is. Well, yeah, he still needs Christian McCaffrey, the best receiving running back probably we've watched in a long, long time. He still needs George Kissel, one of the best tight ends we've seen in the past few years. Two elite wide receivers in Debo and Ayuk. Oh, and a very good offensive line. Like Players make this thing work. And the Eagles have just got so many good players that I really am excited to get into this year, even preseason, because I think where they're so talented and they've got some good backups that are worth watching. There were times when the Eagles preseason starters would be out and the depth would be horrendous. And you'd be watching these guys in preseason. Whereas you look at the Eagles second team defense, they could have some pretty fun players running out there. Uh, come preseason, so I'm even I'll be bored after about four minutes. And then when I realize I got to break down both games for BGN, I'll hate it even more but for the for now uh yeah i'm excited about preseason as well yeah the the, the lone thing i hate about the eagles schedule because you want to start off with you want to play easier teams early in the year before they figure things out you want to play better teams late in the year there's chance guys are injured or whatever the thing i hate though is having the uh for the second year in a row having the giants weeks 16 and 18 like i hate that uh just I want to put a plea out to whoever does the NFL schedule. Like it's such an easy solution. You should open the year with three divisional games and then close the year with three divisional games. Like they put the divisional games at the end to just, you know, so hopefully they're impactful and teams aren't resting starters. Just open the year with divisional games too. So you get them spaced out. You see how you stack up in your division. Uh, Stop scheduling the giants two times in three weeks. That drives me crazy. Yeah, I've got nothing on that. I don't understand why. But at least if we need a couple of wins at the end, um, reports about Daniel Jones in training camp and aren't particularly good. So I feel pretty good about playing the Giants twice. That's the only good thing. I'd rather them if we need a couple of wins at the end. It could be worse. Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to wrap up this episode of the EPA podcast. Johnny, before we get out of here, any final thoughts, any last tidbits that you want to throw out to the people? Any work you coming out you want to plug? The floor is yours. No, I feel like I've pretty much said probably too much already. So, yeah, I'll be writing as always this year. Um, there'll be an offense piece, defense piece after every game, including preseason. Won't be all 22 in the preseason because game pass doesn't allow us to do that. Um, yeah, keep an eye on the next couple of weeks as well. I'm 
not sure how many I'll do, but I'm going to try and look at some of the Eagles' explosive plays and try and break down a few more passing concepts. So, um, yeah, if you're interested in passing concepts, et cetera, et cetera, then check it out. All right. Thanks for joining us, Johnny. You guys go check out Johnny's work. Follow him on Twitter. Seriously, one of the best Eagles follows out there. I learned something every time I chat with him, read one of his pieces, uh, watch his clips on Twitter. So make sure you're checking those out. If you enjoy Johnny's content here on the podcast, be sure you guys let the uh, let the BGN people know about that. We need to get Johnny on a podcast. Uh, I've been banging that drum for a year. We're working on it. So uh, hopefully we can snag Johnny again a time or two for post-game shows and uh, through some mid-season check-ins and stuff. But I know you guys always enjoy uh, when he is on the show. So uh, like I said, be sure you follow him on Twitter at JohnnyPage9. Uh, be sure you're following me on Twitter at Shane Half NFL, following the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube page, Twitter account, podcasts, all of that stuff. Smash that subscribe button so you don't miss the next episode. And I will catch you guys next week on another EPA podcast, breaking down the po- or the preseason game one. Uh, I'll also be live immediately after for a live reaction show on Saturday. So you can check that out with Jess. Uh, we will see you guys then. Go Birds. Go Birds.